Recovery Elevator, episode 254. And once I started to love myself fully, then everyone around me was loving myself. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator podcast. My name is Paul Churchill. Thank you so much for joining us. On today's podcast, we've got Justin. He's 31 years old. He's from Santa Cruz, California. And he took his last drink on November 5th, 2018. On the Recovery Elevator podcast, you've heard some incredible tales of those last nights of drinking. But this one, wow, might take the crown. Our latest Cafe RE group called Cafe RE Up launches in two days or on January 1st. We started Cafe Ari Go last January 1st, and it's full of rock stars, many of whom haven't touched the booze since January 1st. So if you're thinking about taking the plunge into a way better life, then this is a fantastic opportunity. All signups for the month of January will be placed in this accountability group. I bring in some sobriety rock stars from the other groups to help get the momentum started, and then, well, we all collectively depart from the alcohol together. I cannot wait to get this group started. And before we begin, I just want to recognize that tomorrow is New Year's Eve. And I want to tell you personally that you can do this. You can make it through New Year's Eve without drinking. I've personally been there. I've had a couple where one of them I had to depart because I thought I was going to drink at. And I've had a couple others that it was difficult, but I made it through. And it's where I'm at today. So I just want to let you know I'm right there with you. So are all the other listeners. Collectively, our energies are together. We can make it through without drinking. And you know what? If you do, do me a solid. Don't beat yourself up. Okay, let's get started. In 2006, a book called The Secret by Rhonda Byrne came out and brought the concept of manifestation to the main stage. She discusses what many prominent figures in history already knew, such as Plato, Galileo, Beethoven, Edison, Carnegie, Einstein, Buddha, and Jesus. And before we get any further, let's prime this episode with some quotes. Once you make a decision, the universe conspires to make it happen. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Imagination is everything. It is the preview of life's coming attractions. Einstein. The quality of your thinking determines the quality of your life. The Buddha. All that we are is a result of what we have thought. The mind is everything. What we think, we become. The Buddha. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have already received it, and it will be yours. Mark 11.34 Okay, this is a fun one to cover. And hint, hints, we are going to be covering this topic more in depth in future episodes. In addition, we'll be learning how to do this at Recovery Elevator events, retreats, and sober travel trips. So this is manifestation. We're going to cover how you basically create your future with your thoughts. We all do this. The thing is most of us do it unconsciously, and sometimes the result isn't pretty. Okay, so everything that we as human beings have created on this planet essentially was created in our minds first. Regarding what humans are capable of creating, it's important we recognize that all human creations, both beautiful and horrific on this planet, all started in the human mind with a single thought. Learning how to create in the mind is the first step in creating the world that we want. Let me clarify. Again, we all create with the mind, but most of us do this unconsciously, and we don't necessarily get what we want, 
but we get what we are seeking. And like I said, unconsciously, we might be seeking things that at face value, you would say, I don't want that. But unconsciously, we're telling a different story. So there's an old wise tale describing how this works. There's a story of a guy who walked for a month straight. Then he found himself walking into paradise. It was a long walk. He decided he needed a place to rest and he wished that he had a bed. Shortly after, a bed appeared. Since sleepy people don't ask questions, they just sleep, he took a nap and then woke up. Right after that, he said, wow, I'm hungry, and he wished he had food. Guess what showed up? Food. Since hungry people don't ask questions, he ate. And after that, he realized he was thirsty. And so, shortly after that, a soda water with a splash of cranberry appeared. And since thirsty people don't ask questions, he simply drank. And then he said to himself, wait a second, whatever I ask for in my thoughts, I receive. He then got scared and said to himself, wait a second, there must be ghosts here. And then ghosts appeared. And then he thought, the ghosts must be here to torture and kill me. And then that's exactly what happened. In this story, it all happened under a wishing tree or a Kalpavrishka. But here's the deal. We are all living under the canopy of a wishing tree every single one of us. A well-established mind with a clear level of organization in return organizes the body, emotions, and energies to move forward in a unified direction. Then according to the law of attraction, anything you wish for in life happens without even lifting a little finger. It helps to assist this goal with activity, but even without, you can still manifest whatever you want if these four dimensions are all moving forward coherently in one direction. Seems simple enough, right? Well, this is where most people are getting tripped up. Most minds are constantly changing directions. It's like when you walk to the market and every two steps you make a left, you make a right, you take a U-turn, or you just stop moving altogether. Let's say, for example, you want to buy a house. You're wishing for it. You're dreaming for it. And then you say to yourself, oh, but I can't afford it. Or say you have a brilliant idea and you know with all your heart this business idea, this invention, or this app will change the world, but you don't have the money or the know-how to pull it off, or you don't know the right people, etc. In one instance, you're saying, I want something, and then directly after, you're saying, I don't want it, or I can't have it. One moment, you're seeing abundance in your life, and the next is lack, or scarcity. Here's another one that might strike a more familiar chord. I want to quit drinking so badly, but I also don't want to give up alcohol. A little bit of a conflicting statement there. Or, I want nothing more than a group of sober friends to hang out with, to keep me accountable, but I don't want to tell anyone about my drinking, burn the ships, or join an in-person online accountability group. This creates a fracture or splintering in the mind. You'll feel conflicting emotions and both sides will suck an intense amount of energy. You'll also witness this internal divide in your external world. This discord of what we want but we don't think we can have is doing a number on humanity right now. So one of them is the why and the other is the how. Go back to episode 249 where I cover how the why is all you need to worry about. It's the same with this concept. What is and isn't possible isn't your business. It's nature's business. Yours is to thrive towards what you want sobriety, the why, and not about the roadblocks, the how, preventing you from accessing it. 
Stop using past experiences of life to explain why you can't do something, why you can't quit drinking. Beliefs are limiting. In fact, all beliefs are limiting. Even if you tried to quit drinking hundreds of times and haven't found traction, I need you to forget every single one of those attempts and know deep down this time it will be different. New ideas, concepts, inventions come to light every single day in this fast-paced world and your life of happiness without alcohol is one of those infinite possibilities that will come to light. Trust me. If your goal is to quit drinking for a week, a month, a year, or longer, it's important this goal or desire is created in a powerful, clear, coherent way in the mind without negativity, conflicting unconscious messages, or static noise in the background of why it can't happen. That's the how. Then, when it's clear and coherent in this fashion, it will fully happen. For this podcast, I think most of us can agree this primary goal is to quit drinking or reach a state of wholeness where we no longer need alcohol. Modern science is proving that the whole existence is just a reverberation of energy. Energy that is vibrating at a slow enough frequency is matter the eye can see. Similarly, all thoughts are a vibrational frequency that have an atomic weight. If you generate a powerful thought, or the why you're ditching the booze, and let it out into this field of energy, then it's this field that will reorder the matter in your life to accommodate this goal. To create what you want, it must be clear in your mind, and then we must stay the course. Make a commitment to this clear and coherent goal of quitting drinking, finding calm in your life, or building that inner peace. Wherever you are on this journey, do your best to ensure you have a clear vision in your mind of where you want to go. Do your best to keep all thoughts in line with this goal and let conflicting thoughts go. A big reason we fudge this universal law as a species is because of the monkey see, monkey do. That part of us is designed to mimic others. Social media, when we compare ourselves to others on Facebook or Instagram, is making our internal declarations more nebulous than ever. Stick to what your heart is telling you, not to what your friend Tammy is doing on Instagram. If you don't know what you truly want, I encourage you to explore this one. Seek love and connection in the mind with thoughts. Those two alone will blast through addiction. So pleasantness in the body is called health. In the mind, it's called peace and joy. In emotions, it's love and compassion. In our energies, we call it blissfulness and ecstasy. All you have to do is commit yourself to building this internally in the mind. And then wherever you go, you will create a powerful, peaceful, joyful world. Overall, the way you think is the way you feel. And once your thoughts, emotions, and energies are organized, your body will get organized. This is how you hear of spontaneous healings. These healings are always secondary or a result of your thoughts, feelings, emotions, and energies coming into coherence. Once these four are operating in concert, thoughts, emotions, energies, and feelings are all on the same page, your ability to manifest or create is tremendous. You then become the creator of everything in your life. So matter moving matter takes time. It took millions of years for tails to fall off monkeys and for us to become human beings. With thought alone, we can expedite this personal evolution by putting a clear and coherent direction into the quantum field, and then the field will move the matter or organize our life to align with this goal. As Einstein said, it's the field that instructs matter, and our thoughts are the main tributary to this field. You might be saying, wait a second, Pablo. I'm still in Mexico, so we're going to go with Pablo right now. 
Haven't you said you can't think yourself out of this, that you can't think yourself out of a drinking problem? So that's true. And with a slight correction to that, it's possible, but then your matter moving matter. It's going to take a long time and it's painful. The other main reason is you're asking the question of how to quit drinking over and over. The question of how. And when you peel the onion of that question, it's how do I make the internal unease go away, which the mind has been trying to solve for quite some time. The reason why that doesn't work is you're asking the mind a question about the mind and the mind's best answer is always going to be alcohol. The reason why is because the brain is a predictability machine. It functions best on predictability, the known. The answer will almost always unconsciously be alcohol every time. So here's what I recommend. Take some time and write down four to six things in life that you want. Put love and connection or some form of that on the list, please. And then find four to six feel-good songs or the amount of songs that match the amount of intentions or what you're clear on what you want in life are. And preferably, these songs don't have lyrics. And for the duration of each song, visualize and align your thoughts to this goal. Do this daily and do your best to keep these thoughts aimed in this direction throughout the day. I'm in the process of making a meditation for this very exercise, which I should have out in the next couple months as well. I'm really excited about this. And before we hear from Justin, I want to cover this year's Recovery Elevator live event, Dancing with the Mind, which was going to take place downtown to the Hilton Garden Inn in Denver, Colorado, Thursday, June 11th to Saturday, June 14th. And when I say live, I mean the music for the group meditations is performed live as we collectively work on calming the mind. You'll learn how to depart from the past by reconditioning the body to a new mind. You'll learn how to manifest your future self that no longer drinks alcohol, and then you'll draw it to you like a magnet. You'll understand how to do this by tapping into the quantum field. And of course, you'll build those in-person lifelong connections with others who don't drink. This event is open to spouses or significant others, and there will be specific breakout sessions for them as well. Registration goes live for this event on January 1st or just a couple days for Cafe RE members first, and then January 8th for everyone else. So after the interview with Justin, I'm going to share a manifestation story with you. Okay, now let's hear from Justin. Justin, how are you? I'm doing amazing. How are yeah, you? good, man. Great to have you here. And listeners, it's not every day that I get to interview someone on their one-year anniversary date, one year away from alcohol. Dude, nice job, Justin. How's it feel? It feels amazing. Yeah. It feels amazing. I hit the year mark one other time before, but this time I actually feel like I made some major shifts. So I'm feeling really good about this. Yeah, and listeners, I'm recording this before taking off to do some meetups in Australia, New Zealand, and Thailand. So we're recording on November 5th, which is Justin's one-year sobriety date. Man, I'm stoked to be with you here, dude. How you feeling today? I'm feeling amazing. Thank you so much for having me be a part of this. And I'm feeling really good about this. Yeah, and you mentioned it, it feels a little bit different this time. Comment a little bit on that before we fully dive into your story. Well, I guess... Other times that I've tried to quit, I kept I kept resisting on the fact that I would have to stop for the rest of my life. And after I would get some year a year by or some months by, I'd be like, you know what? I actually don't even have a problem. I think I was just in a bad place in my life. I'm gonna try to try to drink again. And then it just snows balls for another six months of just blacking out every night. And then I'd get clean for another big period of time and then 
I'd be like, you know what? I actually don't have a problem. I think I was just in a bad place in my life. And just that cycle kept happening. And then finally, after doing that about four times, maybe five times, I realized that that is part of the pattern and I just need to stop for good. Okay. So stop for good. But also, is it safe to say that you're not looking at like you're not looking at as in you're quitting for the rest of your life. You're probably just quitting for a shorter period of time like today, right? I guess, yeah, it is like taking a step at a time. But before it felt like when I was quitting, I was losing something, like losing a part of myself. And now I've let it go and I don't even, it's like, I, I, I don't, it's not like I have this in the back of my head, like, oh man, I can never drink again. It's like, I don't, I don't even want to anymore. Cause I used to try to chase that to, to get myself into an, an altered state of consciousness. And now it's, I'm learning how to access those states of consciousness without the drugs or the alcohol. So let me see if this resonates with you. Before, when you quit on those other attempts, you were perhaps looking at it as a sacrifice. And now you're looking at led life without alcohol is a huge opportunity. And you're not even thinking of the alcohol. No, not at all. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's get into this, Justin. Give listeners a little background about yourself, where you're from, what you do for a living, your age, do you have a family? And most importantly, Justin, what do you like to do for fun? So I'm from Santa Cruz, California. I was born and raised here. Had a pretty pretty good upbringing. Never really had any uh, trauma with my family or anything like that. I'm a musician. I've been playing music for maybe about 22 years now, since I was maybe eight years old. I'm 31 now. So when I was about eight or nine, I started playing music, played with a lot of friends, used to do a lot of skateboarding, and things were always pretty good in my life. I was always pretty happy. And then I got introduced to drugs and alcohol around 16, 17. And I dabbled a little bit here and there, and it was never really an issue. I just would always like to get a little more fucked up than everyone else would. People would get to a certain spot where they'd be like, oh, no, I'm good. And I'd be like, I can go a little bit more, a little bit more. And then um, it started getting to the point where not just one drug or drink would do it for me. So I'd have to mix. I'd be mixing everything you could think of, cocaine, LSD, mushrooms, MDMA, alcohol, marijuana, all at the same time trying to see how fucked up I could get. And um, it would work. I'd definitely get pretty fucked up. But I started to realize it was a little bit of a problem in high school just because I would I would wake up not knowing how I got home and having to go to class the next morning. And things started to slowly start to slip a little bit. And I kind of had it under control. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm, I'm fine. If it becomes a problem, I'm going to have to um, address it. But um, once I hit about 19, I graduated or I graduated when I was 18. So right after I graduated high school, my mother passed away from a heart attack. And I was already kind of on a little bit of a spiral. And when that happened, it kind of sent me really down really fast. And I started like abusing drugs and alcohol to the point where I was getting insanely sick every single morning, throwing up and couldn't barely function. And that got pretty bad for a little while to the point where uh, it just got so bad that there, there was really no other way for me to go. I either had to get get help or I was going to die. When did you realize this this turning point? You either need to get help or you're going to die. Well, how old are you? So it happened. She passed away when I was 19. I think it was around like 24 is when that really started to sink in. And I was like, well, I'll give myself a little bit more time, you know. And until 27, I... I never really was like, I'm going to quit, you know? And then once I hit 27 is the age where I finally was like, I have to stop. And I realized that I couldn't stop. Okay. From 24 to 27, the idea was there, the possibility that in the future, wait a second, like I might need to address this, but you kept going. And then at 27, you're like, all right, that time has arrived, but I'm not sure how to do this. Am I hearing you right? Yeah. And I couldn't stop for the life of me. Okay. Okay. And what happens then? 
So I was at the point where I needed help and I was paranoid. I was doing a lot of cocaine and I was paranoid. I would stay up for days at a time. I was worried that everywhere I went, my family was going to have an intervention or my friends were having interventions. So I wouldn't even go places. I was hiding out and it just got pretty bad for a little while. And then uh, one of my friends told me about ayahuasca and about using plant medicines to help people with addiction. And I thought I was like, it's either going to rehab and using an external source to try to change what's going on inside me or drink this plant medicine from the jungle and learn how to change the energy inside of myself. And I was like, I was kind of at the end of my rope where I was like, I need some, I need to do something. So I signed up to do this uh, ayahuasca ceremony and I get there and we do the first night. I drink it and within a couple hours, I had life-changing experience where I was going for the to get rid of the the cause of the alcoholism and the drug abuse but that was just a symptom of what I was trying to mask and it took me right into my mother's death oh wow and, and when I was in the ceremony I was with my mother she was holding me and she had like big blue angel wings and she was crying with me and telling me that everything is okay and the physical body is just a very small part of this reality that we experience and she's like, I've never, I never actually even left. I'm still here. Whoa. You just can't see. And from having that experience that night, I completely quit everything. And I was sober for 16 months from mm. that night. So I was, went from, could not stop blacking out five to seven days a week, not being able to function without drugs and alcohol to one night quitting for over a year and just instantly just dropped everything because I thought I was addicted, like I was, I needed the drugs to survive, but really I was trying to cover this hole I felt that was in my heart with these substances. But once I saw that there was no hole there and the hole was just a thought, and I realized that once I actually felt my heart that there, it was actually full, all of a sudden everything just disappeared. I didn't need any more drugs, no more alcohol. So just from that one night, I completely was fine for, for quite a while. So that's a major light bulb moment on this journey for many, including myself and my experiences with plant medicine, ayahuasca. I talk about it in episode 170 is it made me realize that same thing that it's not about staying away from alcohol. It's about addressing the issues that the alcohol was being used to cover up and ayahuasca can go right to the source. It's one of many resources and tools that can do that. And so it sounds like you were, you were sober for 16 months after that. So like age 27 to 28, something like that. And then at the beginning of the interview, you said you might, you convince yourself the thinking mind jumps in and says, you know what, Justin, maybe we, uh, this whole lifetime thing sounds pretty long. Maybe it wasn't that bad. And I can relate to you there, Justin. I was sober for two and a half years from 2010 to 2012 and a half. And I remember going to my very first AA meeting, not for myself. I had a, I had a girlfriend or a friend that I went to support her. And in that meeting, I heard stories around the AA meeting of, of, of divorce, of bankruptcy, of job loss, of multiple DUIs. And my thinking mind did what it does. It's like, wait a second. None of that stuff has happened to me. I'm good. I was drunk two days later. So I'm curious to hear what sneaky ideas the thinking mind put in your head saying, you know what? We just went 16 months. We're probably good. Yeah, that's pretty much sums it up. I went 16 months and then um, it happened to be, uh, it was New Year's Eve. And it was New Year's Eve and everyone was going out to go drink and stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm like, I can have one night. I'm just going to drink tonight. And tomorrow it's a new year. I'm going to go back on my sobriety 
just have this one night and I'm only going to have just a drink or two, you know? And I ended up buying a six pack and I was like, okay, I'll just drink two of the beers. I'll leave the other four out for somebody who's uh, <laughs> partying. I slammed all six of them in like 20 minutes after not drinking for over a year. And then I ended up walking to downtown, which was about a 20 minute walk. And I last thing I remember is I bought like four shots of tequila and then I don't remember anything from that. And I woke up sick the next morning with all these messages from people saying how worried they are about me. And these are all people that knew I was sober. Sure. And they were all like, what happened to you last night? And I don't remember seeing any of them. So, yeah, my mind just told my told me that I was totally fine. It was like, you've gone this long. You're, you're healthy now. You're exercising daily. You're eating healthy. There's You don't have a problem. You were just in a bad place in your life at that time. And as soon as I just had a taste of it, it just went right back into full force. Yeah, and how long did you go back out for? Like, I think maybe like seven months. Okay, all right. And, and then we'll put you back. To be honest, it was ayahuasca again. I did another ayahuasca ceremony. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And the thing is, is at the time, I felt like I needed to use ayahuasca for that reason to get to that state. But now I've realized that all of the, all it was doing was bringing it to a state of consciousness within myself. And now I'm learning how to access those states with meditation and with stillness and... Uh, yoga, exercise, meditation. At that time, I was so confused and so shooken up that I kind of needed a direct to the point. I couldn't sit there in the stillness because my mind was just too crazy. Justin, I absolutely love what you said there. I'm going to comment on that for a second. So these plant medicines, ayahuasca, ibogaine, psilocybin, they allow us to reach a higher level of consciousness. Now, this can be difficult for some when they're, they don't have the circuits built once they access that level of consciousness. It can be a big shock to the system. But what it is, it allows you to view, have a snapshot aerial view of your life from a different consciousness and see things differently. The key or the trick to this is to find the natural remedies to also access that higher level of consciousness. I heard you say meditation. Yoga is a big way. Just simply getting out of nature. There are infinite ways to do this. And we're going to chat more about the meditation stuff later. Justin, is that cool with you? Yeah. Okay. But, but, but get us up to speed on, um, on your sobriety date of November 5th. You mean up, uh, up until now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because listeners, I've heard Justin's version of his last night before he quit drinking. And yeah, there's there's a lot of stories. And then there's this one. Yeah, so there is a lot of stories. Kept leading up. Lots of blackouts. Night after night after night after night. And at the very end of my drinking, there I had a vial of LSD. Which I wouldn't, for some reason, use medicinally for doing psychotherapy. But it would always, I'd always end up pulling it out when I'd blackout drunk. And I would just start taking it without even realizing it. And that happened for about two weeks of, I don't even know how many times I was taking it. And I would just come out of my blackouts tripping. And one of the very last nights, the very last night I drank, I remember even telling myself that I needed to stop. And this is going to be my very last night. I even told myself this. And I went to go have one pint with my dinner. And I said, this is my last beer. So your last and, night of drinking, you will have one pint for dinner. About what time is this about? Oh, wait. No, it wasn't really dinner. I guess it was It was like 3 o'clock or something. All right. So you're going to have like your last drinks, a 3 o'clock pint at dinner. That's the game plan. Well, what my, happens? So then I drink the one pint. And then I, it was so good that I ended up getting two more of those same pints. Ah, oh, shocking. <laughs> and then uh, some someone tried this really nice bottle of tequila. So I wanted to try some. So I tried the... Blanco, the Reposado, and the Añejo. And then I wanted to try all three of them in margaritas. 
So I got three different margaritas, and then it just turned into the spiral where I. So we're like ten drinks deep right there, though. Just just for this early dinner, right? Exactly. I had like yeah, at least ten drinks. So this one point. drink is already to ten. It's already to ten within maybe an hour, hour and a half. And the last few things I remember is I was drinking this glass and I drop it on the floor, and I start trying to pick it up, and everyone's telling me not to, and I cut my hand really bad, and I have blood all over me, and I'm putting it all over the bar, and the people are telling me like you need to calm down. So I sit down, I fall out of the bar stool and I hit my head pretty hard on the ground and they told me I needed to leave. So I said, fuck you guys. And I get in my car and I drove away because I was driving because I was only going to have one beer. And I ended up driving away, speeding off, blocked out drunk. And it was like four o'clock at this time. And apparently I ended up going to the gym I go to. This is all stories I've heard from other people and from people at the gym. But apparently I showed up to the gym, blocked out drunk. And when I left the bar, I had nothing with me. But when I showed up to the gym, apparently I came in with a 12-pack. And I walked in the front doors with a 12-pack. And I just acted like it was casual. And I go in the bath or in the locker room, start chugging beers. And I start puking in the locker while I'm there. And I'm asking everyone around me if I seem drunk. And everyone's like, dude, you seem really drunk. And I'm like, let's go do abs. Let's go do abs. Jesus, so I, do you know if you had a gym bag or was your gym bag the 12-pack? I think it was the 12-pack. Wow. All right. Keep going. And I remember little bits here and there. And I remember I went upstairs to go do a run on the treadmill and uh, people wouldn't let me. They said I was too drunk. So I went and sat in the steam room and the manager of the gym comes in and tells me he needs to talk to me. And I'm like, what happened? And he's like, we just had 12 people complain that you were inappropriately touching them in the steam room. And I don't even know how it was. He said 12 people, but I don't even know how. I don't even remember even seeing 12 people in the steam room. I don't know. And so... When I showed up to the gym, all I brought was my 12-pack. I didn't even bring shoes. I left my shoes and my pants and everything in my car. All oh, I brought- so you walked into the gym with just like underwear and a 12-pack? <laughs> they were basketball shoes. Okay, all right. It's a little better. It's a little better. So they told me I needed to leave, and I started flipping out saying, fuck you guys, I pay for this shit. I'm not leaving. And they were calling the police, and they said, we're calling the police right now. You need to leave or you're going to be arrested. Do you, so, how many drinks of the 12-pack do you think you had? I had at least six of them. All right, so we're at like seventeen drinks deep yeah. with the margaritas, the three shots of tequila, the the three the three pints, and the six. We're like seventeen drinks, and we're at like two hours, three hours in here after three o'clock. After three o'clock, gotcha. and apparently I went into the cold plunge with all my. Uh, I put I had a shirt on, I guess. So my friend said I went in with the, my shirt, drinking beer in the cold plunge. They were trying to pull me out, and I made this big scene. I thought it. In my mind, I thought it was midnight, but it was really like five o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. Did you get the ab yeah. workout in at least? <laughs> From vomiting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so they told me I needed to leave, and apparently um, I flipped out. And I said that they, they stole my clothes, and they needed to give me my clothes back. And they're like, you didn't come in here with clothes. And I'm like, why the fuck would I not come in here with clothes? So I made them look through every single locker with me. Oh, God. And it was so embarrassing because they were like having to hold me up. I was falling over and I'm screaming at them, telling them, give me my clothes or I'm not going to fucking leave. And apparently my friend ran into me there. I don't remember any of this. My friend who was there took my keys from me and he said that he would call, give me a ride home. He's like, I'm going to go for a quick run, chill right here, and I'll take, give you a ride home. He says he goes for a run, he comes back, I'm gone. No way. And he says that the, the front of the gym, they said that uh, they said I disappeared. They don't know where I went. So he goes in the parking lot and he sees me passed out. <laughs> passed out with my hand on my door handle passed out <laughs> like i was trying to leave and i didn't even have my keys so um he wakes me up gets me in an uber uber takes me home 
I remember throwing up all over the Uber and him getting upset and having to take me out and clean it up and shit. And then um, once I got back to my house, I don't remember any of this, but apparently I took two hits of acid. I remember taking the vial and I took two hits of acid. And then the next thing I remember, my roommate finds me passed out face first with my backpack flipped over my head. And I'm on the face first on the ground in the kitchen with chicken all over me. And uh, he was asking me, he said, hey, did you fall? And I said, I don't know. And he's like, do you need help? And I told him, I'm going to the center of the earth. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And he said he just left me there. Whoa. He'll figure it out. And then I remember him trying to tell me to go to bed. And then the next thing, when I finally came out of my blackout, I was completely naked outside in a bush with puke all over me. And I couldn't, and I locked everything inside the house. No keys, no nothing. I don't know what happened. So I had to break into my house. I can't find my phone. My car is not outside. I don't know where my phone is and I don't know where anything is. So I asked my roommate if I could borrow his phone to call an Uber. Uber to the gym because I remember a little glimpse of being at the gym and my car is sitting there. And I had a spare key so I got in that and it was just a mess. I don't regret it. It was definitely what needed to happen. It was definitely a crazy night but it was horrible. I was sick for I think maybe three days after that. Justin, your episode 254, I've heard 253 stories and journeys, and uh, they're all inspirational. They're all their own twists and turns, et cetera. And then there's that story. And let me try to make some sense of this on on basically, you know, kind of the unconscious level. I've, I've, I've known, I have a personal relationship with you. I've met you in person. Sometimes the unconscious mind will work with the conscious mind saying, look, we're going to quit drinking, but we need to learn this lesson. And, and you knew it wasn't going to be one beer. It's, you went big for a reason. Um, you yeah. really had to drive that, that hammer in and just say, look, we're done. I mean, that is an epic tale. I think Hollywood would be interested in buying the rights to just that night alone. I mean, I remember hearing this in person and be like, wait, that's not it. Oh, there's more. You're, you're, you're yeah. cleaning up glass on the ground with bloody hands. Now you're at gym. You're trying to do an ab workout. You try to do a, a run, jumped in the cold pool, no clothes, passed out with your hand on the car. Uber home, you throw up in the Uber. That's a natural reaction of the Uber driver when you throw up in it to its acid. Man, like that, that is a rough night. We've all had like the bad nights of tequila. And then there's that. Jesus yeah. Christ. Oh, and on top of that too, apparently um, a lot of people, because I, I live with my boss's son and he didn't say anything to her out of like disrespect or anything, you know, but it was more that he was worried about me. And I guess other people have been talking so at that point, by the end of that night, I had a lot of people, family, work, friends, and it was like everyone came to me at the same time saying, you need to stop. When I already made the decision, I was going to stop too. So it's like everything came crashing down at that one last night. It was all coming. And then that episode made it because even my friend who was helping me at the gym, I don't even remember seeing him. When I got back to my car and I got my phone out, I saw a bunch of missed calls from him and I talked to him on the phone acting like everything was fine. I was like, Hey, what's up, man? How you, how you doing? He's like, are you all right? And I was like, yeah, why? He's like, well, are you okay with what happened last night? I'm like, what do you mean? I was like, did I talk to you? And he's like, dude, I was with you for like two hours last wow. night. Yeah. So as you mentioned, it all came together at a point. It sounds like the universe was on board with this intention that you put out there. Look, I need to quit, but I got to learn the lesson, but I need to be supported along the way. It's pretty cool how you were supported at individual spots throughout that night and evening, and you made it through alive. I know. And I was driving, dude. I don't even remember driving at all. I just remember speeding off, and 
I don't know, dude. I was way too out of control. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so how'd you do it? You said you were sick for three days. That, that, that's got to have sucked. What happened after that? How'd you do it? Well, the, that next morning I actually, I decided I need, I called a therapist and I was trying to find a way to either do an, an outpatient program or some sort of rehab that I could do. Cause I was at the point where I was like, I can't drink again or I might lose everything or even lose my life, you know? And I'm like, I felt like I hit bottom where I was like, I have to do something to change. So for the next like week or two after that, I was, I mean, what I originally did was I was going to a lot of meetings, going to at least one a day. AA meetings? Yeah, AA meetings. But for me personally, I found that they, for me, they don't work as well as, as meditation or exercise or doing something internal for me. I, I still go about once a week, I'll, I'll, I'll go pop in a meeting at least once a week, but I'm not one of the like three times a day person every, every day, you know, it doesn't really work for me as much. I love having the support, but being there and listening to the stories sometimes almost triggers me. I don't know if that makes sense. Some people, I've heard some people say that before too. So for the first 30 days, I did 30 meetings in 30 days just because I was like, I can't slip up. And then after that, I started slowing down. Now I'm doing about once a, once a week and like, it depends. I mean, if I'm doing a lot of meditation, I won't go as mu- much, you know, like we just went on that cruise and I only went one time that whole month, but we were meditating like almost every day, you know? Yeah. This seems like a good segue. So I met Justin on a meditation cruise. So Dr. Joe Dispenza, you've heard me mention that name with his books, You Are the Placebo and Becoming Supernatural. Those books showed up at the, in the my life around year three and a half of sobriety. Um, I sign up for this cruise that departs in Italy, goes to France and Spain. And uh, I'm on the top of the deck overlooking the ocean. And this guy walks by. And I don't know why. I just take two steps back, put my hand out. It wasn't even a handshake, dude. It was like a full embrace. And I'm like, dude, what's your name? <laughs> You're like, Justin, what's your name, Paul? And then two minutes later, we're reenacting the Titanic scene. And like, oh, you just like, you know, the Rose and Jack scene on the back of the boat. We got some great photos. But how was that week for you, man? That was, the, I mean, that might have been the best trip of my life. Yeah, it was the best trip of my life, for sure. I definitely had a lot of breakthroughs because um, I've been listening to Dr. Joe Dispenza for about six years now. And actually, when he first came into my life was when I was 27, right when I first decided I needed to quit drinking. So right when I first quit drinking, that's what actually was helping me get on that path was re- not trying to change myself from my external, but learning how to actually um, reprogram my subconscious and create the life that I want to live. So that that's when I first heard about him, actually. And it's funny that it's come like full circle. And I actually went on that cruise. I don't know. It's, it all came at the same like perfect timing. That week was amazing for me because I've been watching a lot of his videos and I've learned a lot of his stuff, but I've never actually practiced it with a group of people. And doing it with a group of 700 people with the same intention makes a huge, huge, huge difference. difference. Love and the support from everybody. Because um, a lot of times I feel like I'll be kind of alone, you know, like, because a lot of places I go, people are drinking and partying. And it's just like, it's hard to even find people who are in recovery because either they, they don't talk about it openly a lot or they're not where everyone's drinking, you know, like even when I first saw you, I said I wasn't drinking and you're like, yeah, I don't drink either. And you had a iced tea in your hand and I thought it was a beer and I was like, wait, you're drinking a beer right now. <laughs> yeah. Do as, do as I say, not as I do, Justin. <laughs> well, 
people, there were people on the ship too who said they don't drink. They're like, oh yeah, I don't drink, but they'd be drinking a martini. And they're like, yeah, this is a special occasion. And I'm like, well, if you don't drink, but you're drinking right now, you technically do drink. No, I'd say, yeah, you do drink. Yeah. yeah you know? So it's hard when I find someone who says that they don't drink and then they actually don't drink. I'm like, wow, you actually don't drink. And that was one of the, honestly, meeting you that first Thursday is the second night. The second night was one of the best things that happened because I knew that I actually had someone else that was supportive of being sober and wasn't like, oh, you're weird. Why aren't you partying with everyone else? It's just the energies, Justin. I knew to find you and there was a couple other people that didn't drink that I just, I don't randomly meet these people. It's just the synergies and the energies. And listeners, there's a question I get all the time is, is what's life like after drinking? Am I going to be able to go to parties and bands and concerts and be okay? And all you got to do is just watch Justin. And so on the cruise ship, there's live, live performances every night by the band. Yeah, I met you the second night and I knew you didn't drink. And as we got to know each other, like I saw you on the dance floor and you actually... You, you you didn't come off the dance floor. In fact, you had a perspiration problem that I love how you tried to solve this. I think like night four, he just put the robe on and came back to the dance floor and finished the night off in his robe. That's how much fun Justin was having without booze. And let's circle the wagon back to what he said at the beginning is this life without alcohol, it's an opportunity. Not for a second is Justin looking at it like something's missing or there's a lack or that he can't do something in life. Justin, it's obvious from watching you from a, on the dance floor that you're fully embracing that the anchor is off your ankle, that a life without alcohol, you can do anything, including closing the dance floor on the cruise ship every single night of the cruise without alcohol. In fact, the lead singer of the band came up to Justin one time, gave him a big high five, and it was like, Justin, we did it again, brother. <laughs> How awesome was that? Yeah, that was really awesome. Yeah, I'm actually still in contact with him. I was, he was just texting me the other day, and he's like, hey, when I come to California, we got to dance, man. <laughs> Dude, yeah, and, and watching you just be you without alcohol was so much fun. And listeners, it's 100% possible. And you, I don't know about you. I, I can actually speak for you. We enjoyed every moment of the cruise. There were no hungover moments, no wasted meals, no wasted conversations where we weren't present. Alcohol, it would have ruined that cruise for me. It would have ruined it, yeah. Yeah. And, and talk to us about meditation. Earlier, you talked about reaching a higher states of consciousness without an external substance. Um, and that's the key to this is to raise our energy. And, and I've been doubling down on the meditation thing a lot lately. And how's it, how's it been for you? Well, I feel like a lot of times my substance and my drug or alcohol and drug abuse was always led by um, feeling like there was a hole or emptiness inside of myself that I wanted to fill or, I wasn't enough or I had these thoughts that weren't real thoughts. They were just thoughts of mine that I didn't have enough or I wasn't good looking enough. Or I wasn't, I couldn't dance all these things and all those thoughts I would want to cover it up. So I'd cover them up with alcohol. And now what I've been learning is rather than covering those thoughts up is creating the thoughts that I want to experience and actually neurochemically producing the chemicals into my body that I actually feel that way. So now actually going into a state where I can slow down my nervous system and actually know for a fact that I am worth it and I'm connected, I'm full of love and creating this new person that doesn't even need anything to change my state of consciousness because I'm so amazing in the present moment. Why would I want to change that? But when I believed that I was had all this lack and I was this had this emptiness, 
I felt like I needed something to fill it up to make me feel full again. I don't really know where I'm going with that, but meditation is amazing. Yeah, well, Justin, there's philosophically speaking about it, which anybody can start a podcast, anybody can talk about this stuff, and then there's actually doing it and actually feeling it. And let me ask you this question, Justin. On a a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you love yourself? Like as a constant? Yeah, just give me a number. It fluctuates between 7 and 10. Okay, yeah. And I can't wait to follow you in the future, man, because there's this concept, universal law, that your inside environment mirrors your external environment. They're exactly the same. Everybody on that cruise ship loved you, including myself. You would walk around the dining room with, I don't know, 700 people, and it was just like, Justin, 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 everybody loved you. Man, and, and, and that all stems because you love yourself. You love yourself. And I'm seeing the exact same change. As I mentioned, I'm doubling down hard on this. In fact, I mentioned I'm doing a meditation course. I'm creating the music. I'm going to bring this meditation, some of these meditation ideas and concepts to the recovery of your audience because I'm loving myself at a new clip right now. And I know if you're at a seven right now, that that's, that's dangerous because what if you're at a constant 10? Life's going to get exciting. I know it is happening. That's the thing too is, so when I went on the cruise, I was not expecting that because I was expecting, I was expecting, I don't even know what I was expecting, but the main thing I got from it was learning how to love myself fully. And once I started to love myself fully, then everyone around me was loving myself. And I spent so many years of my life thinking that to be loved by someone else that I had to give love or I had to show my worth to somebody so I could... So I'm constantly giving all my energy so I can get energy back. And now I'm learning how to just put all that energy into myself and it just radiates out and it becomes this big connected field of love. I think <laughs> it's safe to say you you are love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you. You, you are love. And then the external environment represents that in you know vibration frequencies vibrating in a slow enough fashion that it appears as matter. It's love all around your life. I cannot wait to keep in touch with you, Dustin. And I'm, uh, I spoke with the company who puts on those cruises. I actually have a meeting, another call tomorrow at one. And I'm going to try to set up a cruise with the Recovery Elevator audience. And Justin, I'd love to have you on there, man. Dude, I'm totally on board. Yeah, and uh, I do think there's some synergies taking place. Justin has been a musician since age eight. He brought his flute on the cruise. He plays 22 instruments, his band. What's the name of your band back home? The Frogman Experience. Frogman Experience. Love it. Highly talented musician. With my project, as I mentioned, uh, I want to make meditation tracks, and I want to over overlay the audio on it. Uh, music used to be a big part of my life in high school and college. I was in a band, had a rough summer, had my heart broken, um, lost my best friend, alcohol, um, and the band broke up, right? That was a rough one. Music is coming back into my life and I want to create these meditation tracks, perform them live. And we're going to be doing these at the recovery elevator events. And as I hit, before I hit record, I actually threw it out to Justin and say, hey, Justin, would you mind playing one of these tracks live at one of these events? So I just want to put it out there to you, Justin. Think about this. I think it's some cool stuff coming down the horizon. Yeah, no, I'm all, about, all on board. Yeah. And it's funny because that's what I feel like the best thing about this, uh, my alcohol and drug abuse has been is because I feel like I can really hip- relate to a lot of people and help people with people who are struggling. And I feel like I am pretty, a pretty friendly and likable person, but 
I can't really help people who are struggling if I've never gone through it myself. And now that I've gone through that, I'm like, now I feel like I can really help some people. And the time is now. It's right now. And would you ever change a thing? No, no regrets at all. <laughs> nope. And that was a big moment in my journey too. I labeled it as unfortunate for a long time. Then it's like, oh shit, it had to happen. And uh, it's the most beautiful journey I could have ever decided to walk down. Yeah, dude, my whole, my, yeah, my whole life has just been a blessing. Every single part of it. Yeah. And what's the biggest lesson you've learned about yourself uh, in this last year? <sighs> the biggest lesson? Probably to listen to my heart, listen to myself, not listen to people. I spent so much time listening to people and getting myself confused because I kept trying to listen to what I thought was right. And now just taking the time to listen to my heart. I think that's probably the biggest thing I've learned. So what does and that also, look like for you? And I guess relating to that too is not giving my energy to every single person. Oh, okay. Boundaries. I'm a giver. So when people ask me like, hey, can you do me a favor? Or hey, I'm having a birthday party. You want to come? It's like I constantly will be spending all my energy doing things for other people. And then at the end of the day, I'm wiped and I haven't done anything for myself. And um, now what I've been doing is I've just been telling people I'm busy and just being like I'm busy and I'm using my meditation and my time to be alone and to do journaling and writing, exercise. All that is time that I need for myself. So I guess that's one of the big things that I've learned over this year is to not give my energy away. Because at first, trying to get sober was hard because I kept trying to fill my plate so I didn't have any room to slip up which didn't really actually even help because then I was just really busy all the time, which made me feel more triggered. Now just being in the space and just being calm has been a, a way bigger breakthrough for me. That's a big one. I did the same thing. I overloaded my plate with tasks. In fact, I started a couple extra businesses and I was still ignoring the present moment. I just wasn't using alcohol anymore. I was using work. And then it was exercise. Yeah, and right around year three, the voices got too loud. I had no choice, but I had to listen. And now sitting in peace, sitting in calm, sitting on a bench in meditation, it sounds strange. It's the most blissful part of my day. And and like you said earlier, Justin, is when that present moment, the sweet spot, is is so enjoyable without any external substance, then why would you ever want to leave it? Exactly. Yeah. And you can feel however you want to feel in the present moment. Totally. You it's totally. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm excited where this is, this is a, a new, not a new direction. You can, listeners have, have already commented on where recovery elevator is going and we're going internal with more meditation and putting the body in a state of mind where it can heal itself. Um, you know, earlier you mentioned following your heart. What does that, what does that look like for you? How do you follow your heart? I guess spend more time feeling and not thinking. I don't know if that's a too literal way of putting it, but I spend so many, so much time just thinking and uh, reacting to the physical world that my whole day was just reacting and reacting off of other things. And now taking time to just block out what's happening outside of me and just feeling myself and feeling, feeling what I have to give and what I have to create and actually being able to like, it might sound kind of strange, but being able to kind of like time travel and being able to literally go wherever I want inside of my mind. And it feels so limitless and so free, you know? And once I have this expansion, then I can really see what I want to create and what I want to give to the world. And um, that's really what I want to do is I want to be able to give back and sh share with people. And when I was living most of my time up in my thinking or spending most of my time thinking, it was always, what can I get for myself? And it wasn't like, I don't know, 
in a like backstabbing kind of way, but it was like survival. I was living in the survival state all the time. And when I'm living in the heart and not focusing on the outside world, I, I don't even care what I own. I just want to just give. And I feel like the more that I can connect with people, the more they connect with me and it's healing for everyone all around. I don't know. I kind of just went in a circle. No, that was it. You're helping people right now. I loved it. When you, when you said, you know, stop thinking and start feeling, I'd raised my hand. Like that's my quote. Start, stop thinking, start being. Ah. Yeah. I mean yeah. that, that's it. All the magic happens when we shut down the analytical mind. Then we start listening to the gut, the wisdom, the intuition that's always trying to get through. We just can't hear it when we're being reactive, when that fight or flight trap door is stuck wide open. We're constantly in a state of survival where it's not time to create. It's not time to, to rest or to sleep or any of that stuff um, or heal, shall we say, heal from an addiction. So God, I've loved this, uh, this interview. Um, it's time for the rapid fire round. Justin, you ready? Yeah, I think I'm ready. All right, man. Let's hit these questions within 30 seconds. Number one, what is a light bulb moment you've had on this journey? To love myself. That's like <laughs> that's like the ninja sword through a watermelon right there. Number <laughs> number two, what's a memorable moment a life without alcohol has given you? Probably meeting all these amazing people that are connected to the heart. It's not really one moment. It's the awareness that I've gotten, I think. I was not able to see. All this stuff was already happening. I just couldn't see it. And what's your favorite alcohol-free drink? Probably, don't want to sound cliche, but probably water, honestly. Love it. That's it. That's, that's all we <laughs> I need. Know. I love tea and stuff too, but water. I think water is just the water with lime. A hint of lime and salt on the rim. Ooh, there you go. I never <laughs> heard that twist on it. And in regards to sobriety, Justin, what are some of your favorite resources? I mean, honestly, plant medicines <laughs> and also um, YouTube has actually helped a lot, honestly. Anytime I've had any trouble with uh, any kind of addiction or ways to overcome things or journaling or any, YouTube has been a big help. And what's on your bucket list, Justin, in an alcohol-free life? I, I would say creating more music t to help people heal. I mean, it's already being created now, but that's definitely my purpose. Justin, we might be in a meditation band later <laughs> down the road. Yeah. We're just, no, we're just I'm throwing that one out there. And last question, it's this comes out on December thirtieth. This is uh this this is the hot zone for a lot of people. Got New Year's Eve tomorrow night. Yeah. So, what parting piece of guidance can you can you give to listeners? I don't know. I would say to spend more time connecting, connecting to your heart and connecting to spirit. I mean, that's that's really the one thing that's helped me the most is feeling connected to myself that I don't want to change who I am. It's when I'm thinking that I'm somebody else is that's when I want to change because the person who I think I am is not who I want to be. God, that was beautifully said. Seriously. Thank you. I love it. And before we go, Justin, give listeners your own customized, you might need to ditch the booze if line. You might need to ditch the booze if you're waking up naked outside of your house on two hits of acid. <laughs> Yeah, that works big time. Ah, I love it. Justin, thank you so much for joining us. Great job. Yeah, I love you, man. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Thank you, Paul. While in Mexico, I'm staying with a host family for the month. In addition, there was a Dutch gal who stayed here as well. During one of the meals, I noticed she had a couple scars around her neck. In later conversations, I found out that her sister had committed suicide by putting her head down on a train track. 
I know, somewhat of a gruesome way. Um, and and this gal is, is still working through the emotional pain with this. We've had some great conversations. Now, after her sister's suicide, for quite some time, she questioned if she wanted to live or not as well. She often thought about ending her life in a similar fashion and in the same area of her body. So a couple of years later, she finds herself riding on horseback in Ecuador. Out of nowhere shows up a barbed wire. So she's running, galloping on this horse, and the barbed wire hits her right in the neck, pulls her off the horse. She's lying on the ground, blood is spurting out of her neck, and she goes, oh, this is what I asked for. This is how it ends. Fortunately, that's not how it ended. In fact, miraculously, there was a doctor a couple towns over that just had this idea, this feeling, this gut wisdom to go to the town that she was closest to. So she walks back with blood everywhere and a towel around her neck, and there's a doctor there waiting for her. It's an incredible story. But after that, she learned firsthand the power of intention, the power of manifestation, and she's been working diligently after that to create something much more beautiful, which is why she's traveling in Oaxaca learning Spanish. She absolutely loves her life now. Pretty crazy stuff. Stuff that we will be continuing to deepen with, both on the podcast and in in-person retreats as well. Recovery Elevator, it all starts from the inside out. We took the elevator down. We got to take the stairs back up. We can do this. I love you guys.